Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mackie and Judd right now. Kenny, Judd's got a fever. Yeah. The only fever? thing that can cure it is yeah. reckless Viking speculation. It's the <laughs> off season, baby. Already. You want to engage with us? No off-season, Kenny. It's the NFL. Never stops. The headline on ESPN's morning show was Eagles begin quest for back-to-back Super Bowls. Can we get two days? Give me power rankings. I need 2018 power rankings right now. All right, Red. Here we go, Red. Here we go, Red. Hey, let's get these guys going today, right? Let's get these guys going today. Fast feet all day long. That's it. Good. Heavy eyes, right? Heavy eyes. Locate that safety coming right out of that break. Here we go, 11. Fast feet all day, baby. Let's go. Good shot, Carson. Good. Ball's coming off your hand. Ball's coming off your hand, 1-1. One, one. Hey, Carson. Good rack, man. What drives me is fear of failure. You know, I, I wake up every day knowing, thinking that somebody's out, out working me, um, out scheming me. Um, that, that, that drives me. I mean, there's, you can never watch enough tape. You can never um, study enough. You can never study people enough. That's what gets me is... Fear of failure. Well, I need to hear the first 10 seconds of the first one again here. Hold on. He said, that's John Filippo, by the way. Maybe future Vikings yes. offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. quarterback's coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, mm-hmm. and the Vikings might wind up wait because they have to wait for like another Ten nine days. days or eight. Yeah. yeah, they have to wait till Valentine's Day if they want to interview this guy. I mean, they've already waited a few weeks. They might as well wait again. All right, Red. Here we go, Red. Here we go, Red. Hey, let's get these guys going today, right? Let's get these guys going today. Fast feet all day long. That's it. Good. Heavy eyes, right? Heavy eyes. Heavy eyes. Locate that. Heavy safe. eyes. Are heavy That's eyes good? That's a new one. That's a new I football would think that'd term. Be bad. No, he wants heavy eyes. Why is that good? I don't know. Explain it to me. But like, aren't heavy eyes when you're super tired and you're about to fall asleep? You're watching golf <laughs> on last Sunday night. afternoon. Me last night. Right. Heavy eyes, definitely. What, the, what do? What are heavy eyes with quarterbacks? That's a. Add that one to. Uh, what are some of the other draft like? Uh, what's the thing where you have your wide receiver and how far he can reach your catch radius? Yeah, yeah. But Add that, it to the list. But that one makes complete sense to me. He- heavy eyes, I'm sort of lost on. Well, I think here, that means you don't on. want to dart back and forth between your targets. Maybe that's it. Good. Heavy eyes, right? Heavy eyes. Locate that safety coming right out of that break. Here we go, eleven fast feet all day. Baby. Yeah, something about locating the safety. I don't know. Well, you want to locate the safety. It sounds that, good. You know, I want that. that I want accurate. that guy to be the Vikings' offensive coordinator because he seems very, very and, and intelligent. So, was quote two from him as well? What drives me is fear of failure. Yeah, and heavy fear of failure. Eyes. Yes. Okay. Uh, so that's the latest in, the, and this is of course another case of success by association, perhaps too. How much credit do you get? And I'm not saying maybe he's a great quarterbacks coach, and maybe he'll wind up being a great offensive coordinator. But you got to be a little careful. All right, Joe Philbin, let's make him the head coach of the Miami Dolphins because he created Aaron Rodgers. 
Well, no, he was associated with Aaron Rodgers and isn't really head but coaching material. what about material. Ben McAdoo? Ben, now, he really created Aaron right, Rodgers. Right, So I'm a little skeptical sometimes, but that's the latest name that has popped up. Let's jump into this here. Mm-hmm. Let's segue into our Vikings top three off-season to-do list items. All right. Not counting quarterback. Now, sh- should we go through all three or go back and forth? Why don't you... How, uh, how do you want to do this? Let's go back and forth. Okay. Why don't you fire away? You go You go first, and then I'll go second. My, I got some some data that you're going to love. By very way. nice. Um, my, my top one is the subject that we just discussed, which is get your offensive coordinator, take your time, which the Vikings, to their credit, are doing, and get it right. Because as much as we talk about uh, Keenum's success in 2017 and as well as he played, I think we always or we already are forgetting the fact that Pat Shermer, play calling wise, had an outstanding year. And so the most important thing to me is, and something that is completely in your control is, who do you hire now? And do you go out and get a guy who can adjust to his personnel? And who can develop a QB. And also, don't forget this. No matter who your QB is in 2018, his success is partially going to be tied to how good his coordinator is. So my number one with a bullet right now is something that is completely in your control. Don't rush here. And they're not. Credit to them. Get the coordinator hire right. Okay. Yeah. You know, no, no, oh, this guy sounds good. And then he comes here and he's not flexible. And he screws things up. Get it right. Uh, and yeah, well, let's let's go back and forth because I agree on coordinator. So I'm going to go three, two, and one. Okay. Um, you're going to go one, two, and three. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go a different way on the ladder here. Mm-hmm. So number three for me is coordinator, and it's I'll add a layer to what you just said. The Vikings have often whiffed on the hiring of a new coordinator after they lose somebody. Either you know a guy gets a head coaching job or a guy takes another job somewhere. Uh, let me take you back to three different eras. The 1999 Vikings brought in Ray Sherman to replace Brian Billick, who became obviously head coach of the Ravens. He was so bad in 1999, and the Vikings dropped off so much, he never coordinated again. He wound up being a wide receivers coach. He That was that was Ray Sherman's last year as a coordinator in the NFL, 1999. I mean, the Vikings weren't a total disaster, but they dropped off 10 points yeah. per game. It didn't work out. From 98 right. to 99. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, later on, a few years later, the Vikings went from Scott Linehan. That 2004 season with Dante Culpepper, if Peyton Manning didn't exist, Dante Culpepper would have been the MVP of the NFL. Yes. And Scott Linehan helped mold him and propped him up. And, and, and go look at Dante Culpepper's 2004 season. Incredible. He leaves... Did he go to Dallas or something? Or did he become a head coach uh, I think for he got, I think he became head coach in St. Louis. I okay, think he got the Rams right. job after that. And so Steve Loney takes yeah. over. And Dante Culpepper, we always remember the 05 season for all he shredded his knee. He was awful the first handful of games before he shredded his knee. Mm-hmm. And, you know, who knows how much, you know, the coordinator, sometimes it's hard to divvy up the credit. But going from Scott Linehan to Steve Loney was a disaster for Dante Culpepper. Red McCombs was so cheap, Phil, that he had poor Steve coaching offensive line and, and coordinating, coordinating the offense. Yeah. That's how cheap that franchise was so, at the time. You know, different era, different ownership, different circumstance. But then Daryl Bevel, who you know people kind of make fun of because Brad Childress and kick-ass offense. Daryl Bevel squeezed a lot of juice out of the 2008 offense as well. Uh, you know, Tavares Jackson, Gus Farratt, and those weren't top-notch quarterbacks. And then when Brett Favre comes in, that becomes one of the best offenses in the NFL. So Daryl Bevel was a quality offensive coordinator. And then they go to Bill Musgrave. And part of that was also new coach. Brad Childress got fired. So Leslie Frazier brings in Musgrave. 
And Christian Ponder was the starting quarterback when they drafted him in 2011. So some of it's the quarterback you have to work with. But in every one of those three cases, they took a big-time drop-off mm-hmm. from who they had before, right? Um, I'll give you this one here. Number two on my to-do list to find the Vikings this offseason, not counting quarterback. The offensive line still needs work. So you're is Joe Berger retired officially? Not officially, no. But he's, he's but, threatening to retire, but he has not done He it. might be gone. He's in yeah. his mid-30s. Your backups aren't that trustworthy. Case Keenum was sacked five times in the first nine games last year mm-hmm. and then 17 times in his final six games. And Murray and McKinnon were both under four yards per carry for the season. Now, Dalvin Cook's going to help when he comes back. But I think your offensive line, you can't just rest on, oh, it was better in the first half. It ain't the Eagles' offensive line. And there's other offensive lines in the NFC even. Like Dallas still has a great offensive line. So you got a lot of work to do in that department. My second one is this. Somewhat controversial, I'm sure, but I broached the subject on the Monday show. Look to potentially upgrade at tight end. Kyle Rudolph is 28 years old, and he's coming off a season in which he had 57 catches uh, for 532 yards and eight touchdowns. But his salary cap hit for 2018 is $7.7 million. It's not exactly cheap. Is there a free agent or a potential draft pick out there who can take you from what Kyle gives you, which is stability and a good player, to a a potentially upper echelon, Zach Ertz-like tight end? Uh, a, a name out there that's go- actually going to be a free agent, 26-year-old Trey Burton, the guy that threw the pass to Foles on Sunday. Uh, he took over for Ertz in a game this year. I believe it was the Rams game. Five catches, 71 yards, two touchdowns. My point being this. You are set if uh, if Thielen and Diggs stay healthy. You're set at wide receiver. You are in the backfield with Cook healthy. You're set there pretty much. If you add a real threat, I'm talking a dynamic threat at tight end, this offense becomes very, very good. And so my second one is at least look around to upgrade at tight end. Okay, and then uh, let's. Do, what's your next one? Decide on contract extensions for guys that are going uh, to be up after 2018. You got Waynes, Diggs, Barr, Kendricks, Hunter. I think you need to lay the groundwork very firmly going into training camp with at least two of, on that list. My personal choices right now are Diggs and Kendricks. Uh, but as far as your cap goes going forward, this is going to become pretty expensive. I don't know that you can keep all these guys. And so I would be at least hyper-focused in on two on that list. And so my third one is you're going to have to make some decisions. And I think you lay the groundwork with uh, Stefan Diggs and Kendricks on contract extensions. And Diggs is even more important because you don't have a bona fide franchise quarterback. I mean, there's a lot of options on the table, and maybe you wind up signing a Kirk Cousins, but even he has question marks. Is he, is he a top ten guy? Is he more like league average? We don't, we, we won't, we won't really know. But having Diggs and Thielen and Dalvin Cook will prop up almost any quarterback. Uh, I agree, it's very important to lay groundwork for those free agents. But the number one thing on my Vikings to do list is something that it's it's really hard to just snap your fingers and fix, but it's something they have to fix if they want their defense to truly be among the NFL's elite next year. Because at the end of the day, when the playoffs were, when the dust all settled, the Vikings defense unveiled itself as a fraud. Not a fraud like it was a good defense, but a fraud in terms of best defense in the NFL and a defense we might talk about as one of the best of its era. All right? Takeaways. They have to find a way, whether it's coaching better or finding another player or two, something schematically to generate more takeaways if they want to be considered right back at the top or among the best defenses in the league. First of all, Jacksonville and Philadelphia. Jacksonville led the league in takeaways. 
But let's look at the 2017 NFL champions here. All right. The Philadelphia Eagles had 14 more takeaways, basically one per game, than the Vikings, including the postseason. They had 35 takeaways to the Vikings' 21. And you think, oh, 21 takeaways. That's like a takeaway per game. Okay, you'll take that. Let's compare 21 takeaways to some other great defenses in the last 15 or 20 years. Again, one per game. Okay, well, you'll probably take that. Interception, fumble recovery, switch the field around. So that's 14 fewer than the Eagles this year. It's 26 fewer takeaways than the 2013 Seahawks, including postseason. Mm -hmm. These are all including postseason. Mm -hmm. It's 13 fewer takeaways than the 2015 Denver Broncos, who won the Super Bowl, mostly with defense. It's 30 fewer takeaways than the 2002 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Again, they won the Super Bowl based on mostly defense. And brace yourself for this one. The Vikings had 40 fewer takeaways than the 2000 Baltimore Ravens. I knew you were going to bring up the I knew the Ravens 40, were gonna, including postseason. Yeah, no, it was, yeah. So for anyone who was like, oh, this is a, this is a. No, no, they didn't have nearly enough. It's, no. It, it was, it, it was a fraud when you put them in that light. It's still a good defense. It's a good yardage defense. The very stout third down was their calling card. How do you go about changing that? That's where that I need smarter big, people to come in That's here. my big question. Are there ways you can schematically tweak things? Do you take Are more there, chances on jumping routes? I don't I mean, know. you could do it if you wanted. I think I think part of it, too, is they didn't force a lot of I'll fumbles. I'll give you a prime example here. Trey Waynes. Trey Waynes, to me, had a very good year. And part of that was because he played he played a very sound game. But how many times do you recall throughout the course of the year Waynes taking chances? I don't. I mean, and, he and was, it's possible they're coached to just right, but that's play my it point. straight up, but, too. But that's my point. Do you now take Trey Waynes into 2018 and say, okay, Trey, the next step, because because Rhodes is not going to be thrown at consistently, the next step for you is to start to jump routes and take chances. And if, oh, by the way, you miss once or twice, we're not going to bench you for it. Yeah. Well, here, I mean, here's a key one, too. So we're talking about interceptions, and that would be nice. Now, Mike Zimmer defenses traditionally aren't among the league leaders in interceptions. I think maybe once in Cincinnati, but he's never had those big-time, like, seven, eight, nine interception players. His defenses are very sound tackling. They're very sound in in, in keeping everything underneath. I mean, it's if, if you look at the formula for the Vikings, it was get off the field on third downs, don't allow 20-yard big plays. They were the fewest in the NFL, and tackle well, right? Corral, corral things yes. where you want, yes. and it's a very systematically sound defense. They only forced... Seven fumbles all year. So could they do a better job strip sacks? You know, that's remarkable. Punching the ball out. They only forced seven fumbles all year. That's absolutely remarkable. And they only recovered, well, they recovered almost all of them. Actually, one, two, three, four. They recovered, uh, like, most of those fumbles. But seven all season long. Yeah. Wow. It's amazing. Uh, So let's come back. Let's, Let's get some reckless speculation in the mix here early in the show. Matthew Collar will join us from 1500ESPN.com and the Purple Podcast. And he spent all day yesterday in a dark room watching Kirk Cousins' film. And he's got the good and the bad on a guy who's going to make a lot of money should the Vikings be in on Kirk Cousins. Matthew Collar will bring his film study to the table when we come back here uh, after a word for the Chris Lindahl team. Now, Chris Lindahl is the number one REMAX results team in the country for a reason. This guy and his team understand marketing and understand how to create a competitive environment for your home. If you're looking to maybe cash in upwards of twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollars more on the sale of your home, I can tell you from firsthand experience, the Chris Lindahl team is the team you want to work with. 
Uh, it was about this time last year, and it was kind of an expedited process. So I, it was a it was a short timeline because we had already committed to another place, and you know how it works. And my home, my condo, was on the market for exactly three hours before we had a full-priced offer. And that full-priced offer was for a lot more money than I even felt comfortable initially putting it on the market. I said, are you guys sure? Maybe we should bring the price down. They said, no, trust us. If you want to work with the number one REMAX results team in the country, the number is 763-401-SOLD. 763-401-SOLD or chrislindahl.com. That's Chris with a K. Tell him Mackie sent you. Mackie and Judd are back. Back, back. On 1500 ESPN. All right, Red. Here we go, Red. Here we go, Red. Hey, let's get these guys going today, right? Let's get these guys going today. Fast feet all day long. That's it. Good. Heavy eyes, right? Heavy eyes. Locate that safety coming right out of that break. Here we go, 11. Fast feet all day, baby. Let's go. Good shot, Carson. Good. Ball's coming off your hand. Ball's coming off your hand, 1-1. One, one. Hey, Carson. Good rack, man. Yes, yes. You know who has heavy eyes? Matthew Collar. After watching film all day yesterday of Kirk Cousins, that was John DeFilippo, maybe the new offensive coordinator of the Vikings. They want to interview him, and he's the quarterback's coach for the Eagles. So uh, what what does that mean, heavy eyes, Matthew? I can't say that I'm 100% certain on what it means. Take your best guess. I, I would say that it just means, like, be deliberate about where your eyes are at all times. Um, so... Like, it's really important. Aaron Rodgers was being interviewed by NFL Network or something, and they were asking him, okay, so when you watch Brady, since you're both goats, like, you watch Brady, what do you see? What's amazing about him? And he said that early in his career, Rodgers watched every play of a Brady season, and one thing he noticed was how detailed he was with his eyes. And it's a major thing because it, it, these defenders are so good at focusing on quarterbacks. If you don't hold the safety in place, this is one thing that Kirk Cousins in one of my clips did not do very well. If you don't see the safety, if you don't read the safety, you don't hold them in place uh, when you're trying to go in a certain area with the ball, that guy's just going to read you and he's going to pick it off or he's going to take your receiver's head off or something else like that. So it's a really important part of the game. They showed, so I was watching some of the 15-hour pregame stuff before the Super Bowl on Sunday, Mm -hmm. and I can't remember if it was NFL Network or ESPN, but they were doing a meat and potatoes film breakdown of Tom Brady in the pocket, and it was the result of the play was a touchdown pass on a, on kind of a 15 to 20 yard crossing route to Tom Brady's right, but there were two linebackers playing maybe 10 yards off the line of scrimmage, so you have to throw it either over their heads in a tight window underneath the safety, or somehow get one of the linebackers to move to the to the left. Yep. Yep. So that you open up a window, and Brady chose. Using his eyes, like in his body, he's turned sort of to the left side of the field and he's looking to the two routes to the left, knowing full well he's just waiting for that linebacker to move over like 10 feet yep. so that he can hit the crossing route, the deep crossing route to like Amendola in the end zone. I mean, that's that's calculus and worried about who's rushing you. Is the pocket collapsing? Uh, am I accurate? All those things, right? It's the, amazing. The great quarterbacks are playing a different game from everybody else. It's really amazing. I mean, because even with Brady, that that's an incredible like subtle move to create a throwing lane for yourself. And one thing he does all the time that's just insane when you slow it down, you can actually see this in slow motion where he will sense exactly where the rush is coming from and he'll move himself in the pocket. So the rusher chases back toward him, but actually goes into a blocker. So it's like seeing where all of your blockers are and manipulating that yourself by just subtle little movements in the pocket. So it's not just a pocket presence, meaning, 
avoiding the rush or something like that or getting hit as you throw and making good plays or throwing under pressure, but it's also being able to buy yourself more time. So sometimes when you look at, oh, this guy was sacked this many times, he must not have had an offensive line. It also might mean that he's not really that good in the pocket as well. And yeah. that's that's one problem that Kirk Cousins has at times with the pocket presence. I discovered yesterday that he's fumbled more times than any other quarterback in the NFL over the last three years. Mm. And you can see why sometimes where he doesn't sense the rush or he isn't able to reset his protection by moving around. And then guys come in and, and sack him and he fumbles the ball. So after spending an entire day in a very dark room watching Kirk Cousins <laughs> drop back 800 times, did you come away more convinced that he's going to be worth the, the massive investment that someone's going to make in him, or did you become more skittish about making that investment if you are the Vikings? It's, it's a hard question because you would have figured if I told you he's not Tom Brady. The box score stats suggest that he's up in the elite quarterbacks, and he is not. That more often than not, there's some good and some bad when it comes to Kirk Cousins. It's a little bit like Case Keenum, only he's better than Case Keenum. He's more accurate down the field, especially throwing the deep ball. He has a, he's a very nice deep ball and is one of the better quarterbacks in the league at throwing it deep. But so is Sam Bradford. I mean, that's not the biggest part of the game. That's where when people say, oh, Teddy Bridgewater wasn't throwing 30-yard bombs. Well, right, but that's only a handful of throws per year. That's only 40 or 50 out of 600 throws. What you do see with Kirk Cousins, one area he struggles is similar to Sam Bradford, but for a different reason, which is on third downs and when he's down in games. And it's because teams will drop everybody back. They'll go into like a, a cover two or something like that. So they'd be playing like a deep zone. And one of the areas he struggles is seeing those spots and anticipating those spots where he has to throw the ball like one thing that Bridgewater is really good at and the great quarterbacks are really good at is anticipating where everything is going to be a second and a half after, like, after they throw it, right? And that's something that Cousins isn't particularly great at. So you see him make mistakes. You see defenses kind of bait him into bad throws. And the other thing, too, is his toughness is admirable, that he is a really tough quarterback. He takes hits all the time, but that's good and bad. Because he'll take a hit and throw a touchdown, but he'll also take a hit and wing the ball just in Case Keenum-like fashion that turns into an interception sometimes. So what you're getting is a lot of stuff that's really good, and you think this guy could definitely take you to the playoffs if he's got a good defense and weapons. But on the other hand, if you're talking about one of the elite quarterbacks, I do not think he is in that category. So the question then would be, you know, he's he's 29, and, and I think a quarterback's prime is now extended into their mid-30s. Totally I mean, agree. I mean, Alex Smith, Alex Smith is 34 years old, and an NFL team, albeit a questionably run one in Washington, just decided, yeah, we're comfortable signing him for a lot of money until he's like 39 years old. So I think the question is, can Kirk Cousins curb some of the bad stuff as he gets into his fourth, fifth, sixth year as a starting quarterback in the NFL. I mean, just sitting back there for three years and then using everything that you retain mentally for three years and curbing some of the bad stuff. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, it maybe took two or three years before he truly became an elite guy. I'm not saying that Kirk Cousins is going to be Rodgers, but is there that possibility? Do you think that, do you think some of the stuff that you saw is fixable just going through reps and learning from the bad stuff. I don't. I think that Kirk Cousins is an incredibly smart person, an incredibly hard worker, and he has maximized every ounce of talent to be at the spot where he's at. 
And I and after three full years of starting, another couple of years of backing up and filling in for six, seven games, I think what we've seen is the peak of Kirk Cousins over the last three years. But he can ride at that peak with little uh, bumps and valleys here or there. Uh, but he can ride about this for the next five, six years. And what you would guarantee yourself with the Vikings is that you will have a solid starting quarterback who will occasionally drive you crazy, and his numbers show up for his whole career in all the clutch situations. They're worse. I mean, with Bridgewater, all the clutch situations are better, and that's one yeah. of the reasons that Zimmer and the team love him so much. When you're talking about third down and long. And Cousins actually goes backwards court, in those yes. situations. Cousins okay. goes backwards. Huh. So when you hear when you hear people say, ah, I'm concerned that he just hasn't gotten to the playoffs and he's just not a winner, a lot of times that's eye roll because, like, come on, they rank 28th in right. defense two out of the three years and 21st the other year. At the same time, when the fourth quarter comes around mm-hmm. or when it's, under four minutes late in the game, all of his numbers seem to dip. And that, over a three-year sample, would make me go, I don't think it's that he's not clutch. I think it's that teams know how to defend against his weaknesses, and that's where they show up. So of the of the viable uh, QB options for this team now, where does Cousins fall in the chart in, in, your, in your mind after going through the film and watching this? I mean, I think he should be toward the top. I mean, yeah. it, it's something I, I did a cap analysis the other day. They can't afford him and keep the other players. You are not losing Daniil Hunter because you signed Kirk Cousins. They have set themselves up extremely well for mm-hmm. this. And they're going to have draft picks. They're going to have guys who will make a difference. They're going to make little smart, savvy signings like they do all the time. Zimmer finds some guy you've never heard of, and then he turns out to be better than you think, right? So they're, they're going to be able to handle that part of it. The core group can stay. Exactly. So you're going to have your star players, which is a reason to like the cousin signing, that he's going to make these mistakes. He's going to fumble sometimes. He's going to throw picks that drive you crazy. He's going to fail on third down and 10 sometimes. He's going to struggle, but at the same time, if he's got Thielen and he's got Diggs and he's got Delvin Cook and he's got an offensive line that they're going to continue to beef up, He's in a great situation to make this team very, very competitive. And I think you can guarantee over the next five years they will be competitive with Kirk Cousins. I think Teddy Bridgewater, having seen every throw he's ever made, is a more talented quarterback than Kirk Cousins. And I think your possibility, if he's the same Teddy Bridgewater, of winning the Super Bowl is a little higher with with Bridgewater. But there is the risk there that his knee never bounces back and there is no risk whatsoever with Kirk Cousins, who's played 16 games for three straight years. Yeah, that's that's another thing, too. If you could guarantee me that Teddy Bridgewater's health would be intact for the next five to ten years, I'm in. Like, it's, yeah. che- it's yep. cheaper. And, you know, I, the one thing that would give me pause, even with guaranteed health for five or ten years, which isn't guaranteed, is I think their window to win could be very short with this defense. Like, it, Everson Griffin's 30, and who knows what's going to happen injury-wise. You just don't know. Is he going to be good enough in his first full year back? Like, I have questions about that. But when we come back here, Matthew Collar's hanging out, Purple Podcast, 1500ESPN.com. I am going to bring a couple numbers to the table and some defense of Teddy Bridgewater to be Viking starting quarterback in 2018. Mackey and Judd. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I am a fan. I can look at him all day long and die laughing. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. What drives me is fear of failure. You know, I, I wake up every day knowing, thinking that somebody's out, out working me, um, out scheming me. Um, that, that, that drives me. 
I mean, there's, you can never watch enough tape, you can never um, study enough, you can never study people enough. That's what gets me, is fear of failure. Reckless speculation! Reckless speculation! Yes, yes. That's all it is. John Filippo, you heard talking about his intense fear of failure. Uh, he's the quarterback's coach for the Eagles, and the Vikings want to maybe make him the offensive coordinator. We could find out in a week or eight days or Months something. Months of reckless speculation coming your way right here on Mackie and Joe. Reckless speculation! So much for human life. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. All right, Kyler's hanging out with us. We're talking about he spent all day yesterday just watching hours and hours of Kirk Cousins film. And, you know, there's you kind of know what you're getting. It's maybe not... Maybe not uh, what you're paying for in a salary cap league. I want to bring some Teddy Bridgewater evidence to the table. And, and Collar has alluded to this both last segment and on our show before. But just to illustrate, for people who are out on Bridgewater and saw him throw one one bad pass or uh, an interception in his first five minutes back. And such like, a great out. tweet last night. Man, I saw that pass against the Bengals. It's yes, over. Yes. <laughs> like, I understand the health concerns. I don't think you can glean anything from the actual on-field performance against Cincinnati. The guy hadn't played in two years. In theory, if you made him your starter, he'd get all the reps in the offseason. He'd play through the preseason. He'd knock the rust off. It was my opinion in the first two years of Bridgewater's career here that Peterson's presence stunted his growth. Mm-hmm. That they brought a guy in who was used to surveying the field at Louisville, a lot of shotgun pistol formations. Uh, it's not that he never was under center, but he w- but they catered the college offense to him. And if ordinarily, if you draft a guy in the first round as a franchise quarterback, you cater your entire system to him, right? Like, name me a team that doesn't do that except the Vikings in 2014 and 15 who said, well, Adrian's our highest paid player and he likes to sit back and get a head start, seven yards, and take the ball, and he's going to get the ball 20 times. And so on first and second down in particular, the Vikings' offense was a lot of play action, under center, handoff to Peterson. It wasn't make Teddy Bridgewater comfortable, Mm -hmm. right? So let's take away the Peterson stuff. Let's take away first and second down, and let's just look at Teddy Bridgewater on third down when he was a starting quarterback here. He had a better passer rating on third down Forget about Kirk Cousins. He blows Kirk Cousins away on third down. Yep. He had a better passer rating on third down in his first two years as a starter in an offensive system not catered to him than Matt Ryan in Matt Ryan's career on third down. Teddy Bridgewater on third down compared to Matt Ryan. And I think we all agree, Matt Ryan, he might not be a Hall of Famer, but you'd take Matt Ryan. And you're not just cherry-picking Matt Ryan. I mean, he's toward the top of the league in all his third down categories. Correct. Like, I just, I'm I'm grabbing Matt Ryan randomly because he was the MVP a year ago. Matt Ryan... Versus Teddy Bridgewater on third down. Bridgewater, 67% completions to Matt Ryan, 62%. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, a 97 passer rating. Matt Ryan, 94 passer rating. And that, and I, I could keep going. Yards per attempt, Bridgewater better. Bridgewater never had the benefit of a catered offensive system. Never had the benefit of Adam Thielen. If or, health, or even a West Coast to pump up his stats. But right. Your, if, you take, if you take health off the board, and I know you can't, Teddy Bridgewater's very appealing. But, How about Jarek wait, McKinnon? What drove what drove you crazy more than that was this though. In 2014, they draft Teddy. Mm-hmm. Castle gets hurt, I think, in week three against the Saints. That's the year that Peterson played one game. And so they actually that that offense wasn't designed for Teddy, but it allowed him to thrive at times as a rookie. And you said to yourself, there's something here for sure. 
And then you come back in 15, and Adrian's back, and Adrian's mandating that things be drawn up for him, which they did. So what really drove you nuts is 14, 15 should have been building upon what Teddy was able to accomplish as a rookie in 14, and instead you played one game with an offense designed for your quarterback, one game, and after that morphed it completely back to Peterson. So that drove you up the wall. And when you think about it still, just what kind of offense they had in 2015 with Teddy. And again, it's always worth saying, we don't know if the same player is coming back um, with the knee issues or how long it would take to shake off the rust. But the reason he's at the top of my list is (laughs) that their offense only scored 1.1 points fewer than they did this year. We talked about how great this offense was this year. Oh, man, this offense, finally they're good. They scored 1.1 points more and actually scored on a lower percentage of drives. Teddy Bridgewater's 2015 offense scored on a higher percentage of drives, seventh best in the NFL, than this year's Vikings offense, which was ninth, and which this, is still good. And but this year was probably a little better in the red zone than the, than the Bridgewater offense. The red offenses. zone was the huge thing, and it's the huge thing that affects the fantasy stats. And that's why, I mean, I don't mean to sound like a jerk when I say it, but... Like, you can't grade these players off fantasy stats. Otherwise, you think that Derek Anderson was better one year than Ben Roethlisberger and Brett Favre because he threw more touchdowns. Or Blake Bortles two years ago. I mean, Blake Bortles is the all-time example. The guy throws 35 touchdowns in a year, and he's atrocious at playing quarterback. And yet Bridgewater, that seems to be the only argument people can make for why he wasn't good that year, which is just crazy. I mean, they went 11-5. and He leads a game-winning drive in the playoffs. I mean, he did everything that you would hope for. But I think that those third-down stats really demonstrate where his ability is that's above the cut. Like from all these other quarterbacks, from Case Keenum to Kirk Cousins to a lot of these, these guys who are just good or system guys where he's different, is when it comes to the defense, knows you're passing, and they're going to drop both linebackers back and make you make a play with your eyes or a play with your arm, anticipate accuracy, all those things, Teddy Bridgewater can do that at a higher level than most quarterbacks in the league. And we really need to get past arm strength, I I think. Because arm strength's important and it can help. But this notion out there that you continually throw deep is incorrect. And if you run a West Coast, which this team has uh, for some time now, you throw deep on occasion, and Bridgewater can get the ball there. And now, if you were talking about the and part of the problem here is is this. It goes back to Norv and the perception of Norv, which was this: you went out, I think, before 2015, if I'm not mistaken, and brought Mike Wallace in, and the expectation was, okay, this is going to be great. Right. Play action to Peterson, right? Mm-hmm. And then Wallace is streaking down the field, and you're going to hit him in stride, and you're going to have 45 yard touchdown passes. Continually. Okay, the offense was flawed, the system was flawed, and Bridgewater was never going to consistently do that. This is why the coordinator hire in this case is so damn important. Because if you get the right coordinator to work with the right quarterback, guess what? Keenum Shermer, they are tied forever in my mind. Their success was off each other. So if you get the right coordinator here and you bring Teddy back and it works, it's going to look good. But this notion from 15 that you were going to throw deep all the time and Teddy screwed that up is it's irresponsible and not correct. Yeah, And, you know, the funny thing about Bridgewater's skill set and the fact that they had Norv Turner as their offensive coordinator is just that his skill set works so perfectly, in my mind, for a West Coast. I mean, it just it's like that's the perfect sort of fit quarterback with the intermediate accuracy, especially. I mean, his numbers when he's throwing between 10 and 20 yards. 
His numbers look very similar to Drew Brees, to Russell Wilson, I mean, to the elite quarterbacks when he's throwing in that range. And a lot of the deep ball stuff is also whether your wide receiver wins a battle, for one, which, I mean, we saw Thielen and Diggs all the time, how wide open the guy has been schemed. And, and you know, the play-action point is interesting because play-action is often looked at as kind of out of the quarterback's hands. I mean, you have to execute the throw, but a lot of times you're throwing to wide open wide receivers, right? And this is Kirk Cousins. One criticism of him is just how successful he's been on play action. Like, yeah, part of it is him, but a lot of it is that's that's just scheming people wide open, and Jay Gruden is an offensive genius, I think, for what they've done. With Bridgewater, he was just so-so with the play action. And I don't think that's anything that he did. I think that they weren't successfully scheming people open as well as Pat Shermer was. And I think the notion that opponents were just so obsessed with Adrian Peterson is not really true. I think teams by that point knew that Peterson wasn't what he used to be. And what they really knew is that he couldn't go out for a pass and that he couldn't pass protect for anything. And I think that you'd be better off as a quarterback, especially for your numbers, with McKinnon Murray than you would be with Adrian Peterson, especially because McKinnon averages like eight yards a catch. You dump that the ball off to that guy, that's eight yards yes. right there. Uh, I've got another one for you here. So on, on the on the fantasy stats, well, he only threw 14 touchdowns. Oh. T- two things off that. All I mean, right? Troy Aikman didn't throw a lot of touchdowns, right? Did right. Well, number one, hold on, two things off that. Number one, I think it's funny that we credit Case Keenum for having a schemed up offense that catered to his strengths and personnel around him that was clearly better in an offensive line that was clearly better than Teddy Bridgewater. So we have no problem. We have no problem like praising Case Keenum and then getting offended when we talk about, well, maybe it was schemed up a little bit, but we ding Teddy Bridgewater, mm. even though he had all of those advantages taken away and the offense was schemed to Adrian Peterson. So that's, that's, that's annoyance. Number one, here's annoyance. Number two, I hate on first and goal especially from outside the five-yard line, when teams run the ball like more than about 20% of the time. Yeah. Throw the ball. Like, it's all it's jammed in. It's hard, unless you have an elite offensive line, it's really Marshawn hard. Marshawn Lynch in the Super Bowl. Right. It's I mean, <laughs> right, on the one-yard line. In general, I think throwing the ball on first, second, and goal, uh, that, that should be what you lean toward because it's really hard to run the ball in from six yards when everyone's, when everyone's scrunched in. How many pass attempts would you guess Teddy Bridgewater on first and goal in two years had? Five. I mean, it wasn't. Six. Yeah, it wasn't many. It's six. Yeah, and it, five of them were touchdowns. You got to pound the ball to 28. <laughs> Listen to this, okay? Well, pound he, it to 28, well he, only, he only threw 14 touchdown passes. All right. In in the two years he was starting quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater was five of six on first and goal with five <laughs> touchdowns. Call the damn play! Like it's it's yep. it was scheme. It wasn't Teddy Bridgewater. It was scheme. And by the way, in 2014, the Vikings gave the ball twice as much to Matt Asiata on first and second and goal. <laughs> Matt Asiata, uh-huh. who is out of the league. I mean, some of this then stuff, Teddy Bridgewater. The 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 increase in competence of this organization over the last couple of years is pretty remarkable. <laughs> but, th- but this is this is a, a conversation then about why the Shermer replacement hire is so damn important. Yeah, no, that's. I that, mean, this com- this comes true. down to what do you do yep. here? Yeah. Because unless you get Rodgers, Brady, Wilson, unless you, you get a very select group of QBs who you're not going to get. Your quarterback and your coordinator are going to be tied together, and if either one of them is not good at their job, you're in trouble. And if you really wanted Teddy Bridgewater, if you were certain that he was going to be your quarterback, which I they don't think they are, but if they were, then wouldn't you? Would you ask him? I would. 
I don't think that oh, I would teams ever treat their players like this. I would Clearly, ask. from Aaron Rodgers having his quarterback coach gassed well, when, uh, you know, I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers. Wouldn't you consult him first? But if you were certain that that was going to be your quarterback, then I would ask him. I would want his input. I'd want him in those meeting rooms. Here's the key thing Nick Foles, okay? Nick Foles goes from, from what, 2014 in Philadelphia, 27 touchdowns, two picks. 2013, Un- yeah. 2013. Unbelievable. Goes to Jeff Fisher's team. Where he considers retirement because his life <laughs> sucks so bad. Jeff then he sure. bounces back to a- Andy Reid, oh. who is good, but obviously playoff-wise not great. I mean, does anybody really think that Nick Foles stepped in in that Rams game and, and then led a team to a Super Bowl just because Nick Foles found it again? Right. If you do, you're crazy. You may have thought that the biggest loser of this Nick season Foles, was the Cleveland Browns, but it was Jeff Fisher. <laughs> yes, and Nick Foles, <laughs> Nick Foles is a very competent to very good quarterback who, when put in the right hands— is in great shape. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. I guess the moral of the story on Teddy Bridgewater is if you're just bashing him because he only threw 14 touchdown passes, get off the boat, man. And, and it, get it, off the boat. It explains the gap. It explains the gap between when you Google his numbers and what Mike Zimmer says about him and what the receivers say about him and his teammates. Because I haven't just talked to these guys on the record, but off the record a few words, too, about Bridgewater. And and, and the defenders say this stuff, too, on the record, too. I mean, Xavier Rhodes was telling me, he's like, look, when we're going against Bridgewater and he makes back shoulder throws and things like that, these, these dimes that he can drop, it, it makes it very difficult for us, even in practice, we see that on a daily basis and that's that's where the difference exists in the ceiling of where that quarterback can take you and that's where like all the things you just explained there are a number of people who have decided and decided very early on that they did not think Teddy Bridgewater was good and they're going to hang on to any piece of information possible it's really a very 2018 thing to do right just like with politics to not, and to not evolve but, your yes right, exactly right. but the team, I'm telling you, Mike Zimmer, the, the head coach, who is a brilliant head coach and has had a, what, 30-year NFL career, he looks at all those factors that we just pointed out and all the, the same tape and comes to that conclusion. So if you have an issue with Bridgewater's franchise quarterback, the only direction you can really go is, hey, we don't know about the knee. And and I think that's a very legitimate concern. Absolutely it is, yes. And on the Zimmer front, if you love Mike Zimmer and you think he's brilliant in almost every possible way, but you vehemently disagree with him on quarterback, <laughs> right. yeah. is it that you're right and he's wrong or that you should evolve your thinking? Reckless speculation. With no regard for human life. The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. Now's the time to whip it out. On 1500 ESPN. If you purchased a Garage Logic 25th anniversary pint glass and you don't have it yet, listen up. The next round of pickup dates. Is set for the end of this week. The 1500 ESPN promo crew will be in the front lobby of our very own Hubbard Broadcasting Building Thursday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. and Friday from 8 a.m. until 11. You will need to have your vouchers or valid ID to claim the glasses. You'll also receive your free town hall pint when you come. More details on the Garage Logic and 1500 ESPN Facebook pages. Reckless. Speculation. Yes, Matthew Collar is in here teaching us about uh, the snood lifestyle. Yeah. You guys know about snood? I've life. never even heard of the snood until you just said it. Uh, snood is like a scarf, but it's just a circle. So you just pull it over your head so you don't have to worry about the scarf coming loose or anything like that. My uh, wife bought one, and I've been using it to walk the dog. And once you go snood, you will not go back to scarf. Wow. All right. 
Once, no. once Judd goes snood, no. he doesn't go back. I will not be going snood. You won't? I'm That's keeping good. my hat. Probably good. My very cheap these, hat. These millennials are all about their snoods. Yeah. <laughs> Look you at her kids. snood. That's a great snood. You kids keep your snood. 651-646-8255. <laughs> hey, Kyle, we're talking uh, We're talking quarterbacks on the show and today. Snoods. What's up, Kyle? Absolutely. Um, I'm excited that Matthew has discovered the Infinity Scarf. That's an exciting revelation for you, I'm sure. Um, also... Um, about Bridgewater. So the trajectory of the first two years was growing excitement. And it seems like, I mean, you guys have mentioned with throwing aside the injury, it seems like the trajectory of those first two years has sort of been forgotten about. People were so excited going into that year before mm-hmm. he tore his knee. I don't understand where all that went. People seem to forget all the, you know, all the film he put out there. He was trending in the right direction. and He's incredibly accurate. He's going to be cheaper. I don't understand why anyone would want anyone but Bridgewater. And my question is, do you think if that trajectory that we saw continues throwing aside the injury, do you think that Bridgewater can win them a Super Bowl in the next two to three years before this team falls apart? Reckless speculation. Yes, Kyle, bringing Super Bowl into the conversation. I I don't think I would ever bet anyone to win the Super Bowl just because it's so difficult to do, as we saw this year. But when you're making this decision on quarterback, it's entirely on who gives us the best chance to win the Super Bowl within the next couple of years, yes. But Bridgewater's a different story uh, from someone like Kirk Cousins because of his age. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, if his knee is totally fine and fixed and he's good to go, I mean, the guy could play for 10, 12 more years in the NFL. So you're, you're talking about someone who could be your quarterback for the rest of Mike Zimmer's career and even beyond, potentially. Someone like a Matt Stafford or what Tony Romo was in Dallas. I Tony Romo might be the most comparable quarterback to Teddy Bridgewater. And Bridgewater's clutchness, Tony Romo didn't do it in a lot of big situations in the playoffs. But in terms of his third downs and long and things like that, <clears throat> he was really exceptional. I think he Did, has the best fourth quarter passer rating of like yeah, any quarterback yeah, ever, yeah. even though even yeah. though he has about five devastating interceptions as well to and, go along with and it. And hey... Don't you love that in the Super Bowl they just changed the catch rule? If they had just changed the catch rule, because <laughs> right? Gide- I'm telling you, Goodell told him two weeks it. ago the catch rule will not decide this damn game. Hockey fans will uh, remember foot in the crease, and they just change foot in the crease in Hall. the Stanley Cup. Like, they did the yes. same thing. Yes, Tony Romo gets to the Super Bowl, and by the way, if you look at the Des Bryant play and then the Zach Ertz touchdown. Tell me why they're different. I, I have Tell no me clue. why they're different. They're no not clue. different. Right. They just decided in this you know Super Bowl, what? we are not doing this. But you know we what? are not having everyone rip us all they, day. They got it right. Oh, it's right. Yeah, no, Change it's correct. Change the rule to just make like sense. Des Bryant, Megatron, those should have been catches. Yes. Anyway, so put that all aside. But a guy who was a little bit mobile, like within the pocket, not a running quarterback, but could move around could throw accurately down the field without a laser arm. I mean, t- Tony Romo never had the laser arm, and he was never the best quarterback in the NFL. I'm not sitting here saying t- uh, Teddy Bridgewater will be the best quarterback in the NFL if he's healthy, but I think ceiling-wise, what he can be and what he brings you toward winning is a little bit higher than Kirk Cousins. I wouldn't say it's massively higher, but these percentage points might make the difference when you get to the playoffs. So I'd say a little bit higher, but when you say put aside that knee, I can't put aside the knee because that's such a huge factor. It might take a whole year of him playing. I remember when Donovan McNabb had a very serious knee injury. He came back. 
for like six or seven weeks because I was a big McNabb fan. So like I watched all the games I could for six or seven weeks. The guy was like in mud. It looked like in the pocket. And then finally he started to come out of it. Guys talk about that all the time with those just a regular ACL, how they don't feel the same. We saw Latavius Murray with an ankle injury take six weeks to get back to where he needed to be. So it, it might take quite a while. And that's the one thing you'll factor in. Do you have quite a while? For I mean, the Cleveland Browns have a while, right? Or, or the Bills or some other team that needs a quarterback. Vikings have to go now. They exactly. have to go now. Yeah, exactly. Let's... And that might be a factor. Ed, what's going on? You're on the show. Yeah, just a couple questions. Uh, you know, I, a little while back, they said that, um, uh, what's his name, uh, from Washington? Kirk Cousins. Yeah, he, they said maybe he could get the Vikings to the playoffs. Let's think. Keenum got the Vikings to the playoffs this year. Okay, suggestion, you know, because I listen to your show all the time, and it seems like for three weeks I keep hearing the same thing, the same stats. Why don't they think in terms of keeping Keenum, keeping Bridgewater? I realize Bridgewater may be hurt. He may not play. And draft a young quarterback because my understanding is this is the best draft for quarterbacks mm -hmm. they've had in years. Yeah. Why, do you take, why do you take somebody who got to the playoffs, and there's no guarantee from year to year. Look at the Carolina Panthers. Didn't they go to the Super Bowl one year and then win two games the following year with the same quarterback? Yeah, no, that so does, no, really, that, that definitely really, happens. Yeah, there's really no guarantee. People are, seem to be happy. All, all all we do is keep hearing, and it's not only you; it's all the channels. Conjecture, conjecture, conjecture. Well, what happens if this? Well, what happens if the guy from Washington comes here and is a dud? Ed, you want to know? You, you say conjecture. We call it. Reckless speculation. Uh, let me try to. Let me we have like thirty seconds left here. Like okay, uh, real quick, then one at a time. Cousins can they could definitely win with Cousins because of what he's proven over the last three years that he is a good NFL starting quarterback. Now it's all about whether he could take you to that next level. I would not expect this team to collapse, but regression is possible and likely. You might need better quarterback play than you got last year to be as competitive as you were. Franchise tagging Keenum is a potential option, especially if Teddy's contract tolls, but I don't expect that to happen. So I'm like trying to answer these all at once. Right, right. Because there's, there's a lot of good questions in that in that phone call. It's just answering them all at once. But I wouldn't And we put, are going to recklessly speculate on all of them. Keep going. I wouldn't put Keenum entirely <laughs> out of the conversation, though, because they no. can franchise tag him and keep him for, for next sure. Year. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.